in the history of art, celebrating circa 2019 in game, the greatest movie ever made. Ever made. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, oh. that's where we are. That's where we are. I, I did I did see something on Facebook. It was this little meme going around about a, a between two ferns. Oh the, yeah, the the yeah. show. Um, what's his name? Zach. Zach. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I can't, I can't pronounce his last name. I can't name. pronounce his last yeah. name either. But it was different things that he threw at different celebrities, right. curveballs. And one was to Benedict Cumberbatch, which to me is for, very apropos for his yeah. Doctor Strange role. But he says, if you didn't have a British accent, would anyone know that you were a good actor? <laughs> the moral of the story, the podcast where a writer, a philosopher, and a filmmaker explore the stories that make us and the morality that makes the story. Well, it's funny we're talking about Avengers Endgame because it is the one-year anniversary of the release of, quote, the movie event of the decade or the quarter century or whatever timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God we're in a new one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Although it was, <laughs> this one is not turning out to be – this is turning out to this be a humbinger of a decade. The apocalyptic yeah. Uh, yeah. decade. But, yeah. But it's interesting to me – Endgame announced this decade. Exactly. Yes, exactly. It's true. <laughs> it's foreshadowed. It's funny to me when you talk about a movie like this, and I kind of – wasn't excited about talking about Endgame at first because Endgame is so many things. It's a cultural event. Yeah. It's the culmination of all of these other movies. So sort of how you feel about it is dependent on the other movies yeah. to some extent. And that plays into, I guess, what Martin Scorsese was saying some time ago when he said, you know, Marvel movies are like theme parks. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So there's all these levels to it. Like it's almost designed as an art form to for you to bring expectations to it about what it is going to be yeah. or how you should feel about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, as opposed to a movie that's just, you're going to come and see it and you're going to engage it on its own for its own sake. Right. Yeah. Know? I felt like I was out of the club yeah. when I went to see Endgame because I had, I've kind of picked and chose and yeah. skipped some, like I had never seen age of Ultron or I forget which other ones I had skipped. Just because I liked the first Avengers a lot, and right. then I just sort of thought, eh, yeah, just sequel stuff. And yeah, I didn't watch them all. So like for half of Endgame, I was just thinking, who is this? Who is that? Yeah, why are they? What is this supposed to mean? <laughs> it was like watching Star Trek Twenty One. Yeah, you yeah. know, back in the day when yeah. Star Trek films were were like the so thing. serialized, right? And or it was like a TV series. Like if you were if you tuned into season nine of Lost, yeah, mm-hmm. you'd have no how idea lost going. you would be. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you had not been following along, that's basically how I felt. Yeah, um, I mean, because that's essentially what they did. You know, it is mm-hmm. it is really a it is a fan flick. It is par excellence. Yeah, it is, and they they really rewarded the people who had right. stuck with the entire series. And for right. the people who hadn't, there were still some cool moments, as I'm sure you remember, but uh, mostly it was like... They duped me yeah. and everyone else into <laughs> finding two hours to kill some other time to watch Age of Ultron. I think, yeah. this is not very good. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, I didn't really care about this either. Yeah. But now I know who Vision is. So yeah, exactly. Okay. But, well, anyway. and, and let me pose a question to y'all, because I think this is genuinely a very moral of the story type question, I guess. Um, what what would be a barometer to judge the quality of a movie like Endgame? Because on yeah. some level, when when you have that level of serialized storytelling, you know, one chapter after another, like a TV show, and it is directed at the fans. You're right. It's not directed at a first-time viewer right. or even a critical viewer. It's directed at a fan. 
And kind of, I think what the barometer I see on the internet is whether fans like it. You hear yeah. a lot of people say that, like, if we didn't like it, it was no good. Mm-hmm. Or um, even a director or one of the filmmakers will say, you know, this is for the fans. And a love letter to the fans. Yeah, a love letter to the fans. And I and I just wonder, because I remember when Force Awakens came out, yeah. I think Andy Serkis used exactly that phrase like this is a love letter right. for the fans mm-hmm. but then the fans turn on and, and they start saying well this is derivative or this is bad or i didn't like this or i would have done something different right. with the story so is is the way we judge a movie like endgame just endlessly subjective well here's the thing ben as a fan the fans are never pleased <laughs> <laughs> no that's not true <laughs> um yeah there's a lot of different ways you can answer that question i think yeah i think some of it plays into source material if that exists, which obviously with Marvel very much does exist. Um, And that really plays into the fans the most because if you were a Marvel fan, you were following these stories and in love with these characters long before Robert Downey Jr. played Iron Man. Right. Um, But it's hard to quantify exactly, I think, the impact. I mean, I bet percentage-wise... The number of people who were real, actual Marvel oh, comic absolutely. book fans is infinitesimal. Absolutely. Compared to the people yeah, that are now definitely. fans of the movie. So definitely. It, it's become the tail wagging the dog a little bit. Right. Because they kind of pretend like, oh, there's this like deep fan. Right. But Which really, is not true. they're not actually catering to them. Right. They're, they're, they're catering, catering to, to the popcorn fan. Yeah, exactly. Well, and the, the new comic book fan. But... Which are not comic books. <laughs> exactly. Well, even that's though, the thing. Even though there is, a, there is a, this tension because, like, I grew up watching the 1990 Spider-Man yeah. cartoon. Yeah. And I was, I, you know, we subscribed to Disney Plus recently, and I just saw it on the Disney Plus, so I right. clicked on it and started watching it. I was like, this is still kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But that iteration of Peter Parker yeah. is different from Tom Holland. It's very, right? yeah. It's, it's very mm-hmm. different. And, um, but now Tom Holland is replacing it. Right. right there's right. there's a kind of vision of Marvel yeah. that is dying or vanishing into the past, right. and you have the movie version. I guess for me, watching a movie like Endgame, I'm trying to figure out what the genre is because that that's how I like to yeah. criticize something. Yeah. I like to say, okay, well, what genre is this? You know, if it's a noir movie that I'm watching, and somebody comes in and they say, "This is just too dark for me," right? Well, you go, "It's called noir," right? <laughs> you know, it's that's French you, for you, black. Yeah, you, you don't you don't criticize a noir film for being too black. Um, and in the same way, there are things you read on the internet where, that are criticizing a Marvel film, right. and you think, well, that this is just the superhero genre, and there's certain things that you expect from a superhero genre, and it's silly to critique them for yeah, this. To expect something different. Right, to expect right. something different. But if the movie is literally just a cultural event that doesn't exist except in the minds of the right. fans reacting to which of their favorite characters emerge yeah. at what time in the movie then what are we really talking about? Yeah. Is is there a film in there? This is interesting to me because it's kind of like, you know, there's a a literary critic, Northrop Fry, who has a very influential uh, theory of literature across human history. Mm -hmm. And it was essentially dividing literature into four ages. And it begins with myth, so yeah. like the age of Homer and the epics and the epic poetry and, and those stories, the stories of um, 
you know, Greek mythology and all of this, and then comes to down to high mimeticism, which is telling stories that are mimetic, meaning they imitate nature or the real world, mm-hmm. but in a heightened, elevated way. And this would be Shakespeare yeah. or, um, you know, things like even beyond, really more, almost more than Shakespeare, things like The Fairy Queen by Spencer or things that are fantasy, essentially, right. as we would see it, uh, but more in the or real like Beowulf world. Deeply, or, deeply yeah, rooted. Yeah, all of Beowulf. Maybe is more myth. I would say. Probably. Yeah. Well, I think actually there's a middle step. I think you're skipping, which is elegy. He sa- he talks about know, elegy. Has, or, there are four. There are four. I main. thought there were five. Ele- I mean, okay. no, there's four. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so high mimeticism, which is like real world, but oh, how art thou? You know, like yeah, people, yeah. like that would be that to us. <laughs> then you have low mimetic, which is um, kind of down in the like Charles Dickens. Yeah, would be low mimetic. It's the the grungy side of of life and yeah getting into like Dickens almost like cartoon descriptions of things yeah. and, and the way people kind of, really talk right, right more right. naturalistic and then the fourth is ironic mm-hmm. um, and the ironic in literature was um, limited to the the quintessential example is the detective novel right there was no such thing as a detective novel before the 20th century yeah or like maybe I guess late 19th yeah late century. 19th yeah but it sent, it came into its own then and that was the most tragic of events turned into an entertainment of death. Yeah. Right. So what used to be yeah. for a tragedy in the mythic era, the right. death story is a tragedy right. in a play. Now the death is like, ooh, they died. Who done it? You know, yeah, it's all exactly. it's all yeah. ironic. Hey, I like murder. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but it, but it's but yeah. at the same time, yeah. so his whole theory though was that these four things were a cycle. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very intriguing that at the time that the detective cycle by the 30s, 40s had kind of run its course of its peak era of being written, Sherlock Holmes and and greats, you know, before James Patterson came around. Um, (laughs) Well, and James Patterson is actually the the next phase of it, Uh right? Like you just keep going down that road where it gets more and more and more genre. Yeah. But so at the same time, you have the birth of the comic book. Right. Right, where it, it, modern people are now inventing and telling new myths right. for the new right. people, new, the new generation. And now they're repeating it like they repeated the myths. And they're repeating tell the Spider-Man right, story one more time and we change it a little more. And, and a little just more like and the myths, the original writers of them were always the greatest. Right. Right, so you have Homer is the greatest of all Greek poets. Right. And... Um, well, this is true across all things. Shakespeare is the greatest English writer, and he's the first one that wrote in the modern English language, essentially. Right. There's, you can go down the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Isaiah, greatest prophet. Yeah. Same time era, <laughs> time era as, uh, I mean, Elijah maybe, but writer. Yeah, right, Isaiah. Isaiah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, so it's an interesting way to look at it, because you can look at the comic book. I'm getting back to our comic book movies here. Yeah. <laughs> but you can look at the movies coming off of the comic book tradition yeah. as a kind of, you know, deriving for more and more kind of self-perpetuating. They're, it's not new things. It's just children of this initial right, right. moment. And we're just repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating. That's why it's, yeah. not, it's not like they're telling more story. We just reboot right. every 10 years right. well, with a new director and a new writer. Right. And they're telling us the same story right. again. It's like Spider-Man, yeah. right? Yeah. Nobody, it's still the same story that, that uh, who was it? Oh, uh, Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire, yeah. yeah. I almost said Elijah Wood. <laughs> <laughs> Similar. Like, Toby yeah, Maguire yeah, was in, what was that, 2001? 
I think so. Yeah, it was yeah. early two thousand. I was there opening day, man. That was like yeah. I was, you know, it was awesome because I had grown up watching the animated yeah, Spider Man. Yeah. And yeah. so like I was reliving my childhood and, and that's that was really they, kicked off live action. That is when they figured it out. Yeah. Like, oh, all these, you know, eighteen yeah. year olds, twenty year olds have grown up watching this and, right. yeah. and yeah. everything and they knew there was a fortune to be made. Yep. So anyway, I think that's an interesting because yeah. you say what kind of artwork is this? Well, it may not be a film in the sense that anything in Hollywood has been a film. Right. Well, and, and to make it even more complicated, there's a kind of almost quasi-religious element to what you're talking about too. Because in the ancient world, myths were you know, religious myths. People initially did believe in Jupiter and, right, and right. Hera and all these, yeah. these figures. And now we're in this weird reversal where people feel so strongly about Captain America or the Skywalkers or whatever that they treat them they're more they're, at me. They're, they're, <laughs> they would be okay with like if Christ was you know depicted by Joaquin Phoenix in some horrible movie which actually happened you know wait uh, really? Joaquin Phoenix played Jesus? he did in some indie film that nobody really? saw but, oh, but anyway but, but they're more angry about the Ray being a Skywalker right? Or or like if you start missing with Messing with the myth. Ben, I feel a little personally attacked here. (laughs) (laughs) You feel more strongly. Not to name any names. Not to name any names. (laughs) He's like saying all this directly to me. (laughs) We all know what's going on, Luke. No. Um, But but you you look at something like Endgame, and it has literally all of the religious. Mm-hmm. tropes of the birth and resurrection of these messianic figures fighting gods. they are yeah, gods, gods yeah. fighting death itself right that's what um, superman is right superman right. maybe i don't was he actually chronologically the first comic book superhero he was the first one to become popular become popular yeah, yeah he so, is and, you know and he is manifestly a deity right i mean and he's it is a celestial being right like if you go into biblical language, right. he is a outer from right from an alien from outer space, but yep. he's a celestial being, a being from the stars who comes to Earth with invincible power and all the, I mean, basically all of the abilities that like the conquering Christ is given, yeah, in the Bible. Oh, you mean in resurrection form, basically? Right. Except he's a news reporter, which makes it, <laughs> you know, uh, which is like the, ri- the ultimate writer's bias. Um, <laughs> But it, you know what I mean. So he yeah. is a god on earth, yeah. and then you have all these others. It's the Marvel, right? It's, Which it's miracles. Something I, right. I read that was very interesting. It was by Fulton Sheen um, in a sermon he was giving, and he said that what is happening is, and he said this like back in the '60s or '70s. He said we're leaving behind the age of, um, we're leaving behind the age of skepticism. And modernism and science, and we're entering a new age of belief. Yeah. And he didn't even mean that in a positive sense. He just yeah. meant that from moving forward, good and evil yeah. would begin to take on more of a, a truly religious form yeah. where people really do believe in whether they're saying it's a religion or not, it has all of that right. sense of Did he wa- mean that in the passion sense of credulity? Well, no, he he meant that, you know, and he actually put it into like antichrist, Christ terms that he thought there would be the religion that was anti-God and and of man and the religion of man. Well, I even see that in in atheistic circles, the, this, uh attachment to uh simulation theory that is kind of it's an oh, old it's yeah. an old theory but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of regained popularity the multiverse the Elon Musk kind of thing it, well simulation theory is an atheist's 
explanation of a god. Right, right. Which it's is just, so funny to it, me. But it's just, the god is just a computer program. Or an alien. Like, but <laughs> mm. that's so funny. Like, they don't want to believe in a higher power, but in believing in simulation theory, you are believing in a higher power. So right. it's, again, that draw, that drawing to a belief the in atheist. something. Like, even and, the atheist has to have something to believe and in. And what's amazing about it is that simulation theory derives from, you know, if you know your philosophy... It goes all the way back to David Hume right. and, and a lot of yeah. those philosophers. And those philosophers were reacting against Aquinas and all the medieval right. scholastics. Right. And they were they would make jokes about, yeah, Aquinas and all these people. They were concerned about how many angels fit on the head of a pin and they're right. so stupid <laughs> and we're science and we're all I'm about really concerned real with or not stuff in the material yeah. world. Oh, and by the way, we believe in the material world so much, maybe it's just an illusion. Right. Maybe it's all a big right. computer program. Yeah. And you go like, that is as far out or more ridiculous than debating how many angels fit on the head of a pin. Right. It's like, we're right. back to right. this very it's just esoteric the opposite, idea. Yeah, it's just the opposite direction. Yeah. You know, it's the <laughs> same thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. But except wow. instead of it being a really useful thought experiment, it's yeah. just it, it boring. Just, yeah, it just and that's it like, yeah. It's like, yeah. even if you're like, okay, yeah, we're a simulation. Like, what now? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Matrix no, 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 no. Here's the Matrix here's the dirty, yes. Yeah, right. No, this is the dirty little secret of the simulation theory ad- advocates. What they really are is like, I am a software engineer. Yeah. I believe that the whole world is a giant software program. Therefore, maybe I can make the next world. Right, exactly. And I'll be the god of that world. Yeah. And that time, because computers will go faster, will be just like this time in the life of the other software engineers. Yeah, exactly. And I'll be the next god. And, and that's really, that's <laughs> yeah, the subconscious that's, of it. Yeah, well, they yeah, are yeah. god anyway. Yeah. 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 Was so amazing. funny. Anyway, but here's the thing I think is so, moving specifically now in, into Endgame. Yeah, um, which is what this episode this is. This episode <laughs> is about Endgame. Um, I thought it was hilarious the opening uh-huh. of Endgame. I just did wanted... you watch Infinity War? By the way, I did. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. I saw Infinity War and then I saw. Because if you didn't watch Infinity War, no, Endgame would have really right. not made sense. Really lost. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I did see Infinity War, um, but so okay. So you open up and they go find uh, Thanos. Thanos on his you know, paradise planet. Yeah, wherever his it is. Eden. His Eden, the Eden place. That has alien grapefruit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, is that Avatar? No. Um, <laughs> but um, and so. And that's how Disney brings Avatar and Marvel <laughs> together. <laughs> you, know, you know they've got somebody working oh, on Oh, I know, that, right? yeah. Um, but they go and do this. So they sent Thanos, the ultimate villain of all villains, evilest man alive in the whole universe and destroying all the people, um, is, a, is an environmentalist. Yeah. And wants to reduce the population of the world. Who do we know that is doing that actively? Oh, Alex, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, he, they basically make Thanos a, he is a activist Greenpeace Democrat. His whole his whole motivation is exactly what, like, the environmentalist Greenpeacers are for. But yeah, you're right. Do you yeah, think, no, you're not is wrong. Is it possible that they're aware of this? Well, I think though that they're trying to make him okay. Well, gray. Well, well, right? well they're wait, trying wait, wait, to wait. make him gray in their mind. Hold on, right? hold on, hold on. Th- that's we what have I think. to look at the fact that Thanos was not invented ten years ago when this started. Mm-hmm. Thanos is a very old character, uh-huh. and he has been doing the same thing since his creation. And actually, it's they actually kind of <laughs> changed it because it was much darker in the comic books. Basically, he was trying to 
get Lady Death to go out on a date with him. He wanted to fall in love with Lady Death. Mm-hmm. And Lady Death said, well, if you want to be with me, you have to kill half the population. So it was a lot. He was doing it as an offering to Lady Death so oh, wow. they could be together. Like so it's actually, a lot, it's actually a lot darker. Huh. Um, but he was doing the, the same thing. Only his motivation has changed more recently. So you do have to take that into account. But still, yes, you are right. Right. So, but like the modern, the modern storytellers. Yeah. And I guess maybe they're trying to make him sympathetic. I, I think, think that are. is what yeah, it is. They are. Because, because there is an idea in the global warming, more left of center, com, you know, community that I think really does. And I'm, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter. I will read these tweets by people and they'll be like, well, you would almost think that this would be okay to do in order mm-hmm. to save the planet and right. kill all these people or whatever, but we all know that would be wrong or whatever. Right. So it's yeah. like, there's actually this like moral question that they think right. hovers over that. And so I think the some storytellers- of them, some, some not. Yeah, I know I mean, some we've talked not. Before I mean, about Camille Paglia. Like eco-terrorist- Camille Paglia places. would say it's not morally wrong to kill those people. Right, there's some kind of moral, yeah. yeah. But I think the people who are telling the story do think that it's some kind of a gray- making him more relatable yeah. to make him an eco-terrorist. Uh, he's trying to make him a three-dimensional villain and not just, I want to kill everyone, you know. You right. know On the flip just... side of it, Thanos is, quote, patriarchy. Yeah. Right, right. He's right, the ultimate yeah. dad. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that actually is His whole arc is really... Philosophically, right. children if I was going and, yeah. to critique Endgame, that would be my big critique, is that mm-hmm. everybody fighting him is a teenager... Um, uh, Captain America is like a hundred years old. Well, I know, but he's a teenager <laughs> who was stuck in ice. Okay. Like he's kind of a dad, but he's not. Yeah. And then Tony Stark becomes a dad and then they kill him because he's became a dad. Because all dads must die. Because all dads <laughs> must die. We can't have a dad in the Marvel universe. So the only dad that exists is Thanos. And Thanos really is a dad. He's a horrible dad. He's an abusive dad, but he has all of the dad traits, even more than Tony Stark does. Like Tony Stark, What's the most daddish thing Tony Stark does in Endgame? Well, he plays with his little girl a teeny bit. Right. Right. But he doesn't have mature dad qualities. Right. right. Except He's that he still... dies at the end. Um, but Thanos has the mature dad qualities. I have to insert, like when I was walking into the theater to see Endgame, I think if it was walking out or in, or if I was seeing something else, this girl was walking out with her mother and she was blubbering. I mean, a, just a mess. She was just just grieving that no I, I i thought oh my goodness something's wrong like her granddad has died her like i thought there must be some sort of family emergency mm-hmm. somebody must have shamed her publicly or something and her, her mom like pulled her head and kind of nodded out and said she really loved iron man <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that is, oh my goodness because <laughs> like, you don't you lose track of how deeply yeah. This gets ingrained in the minds of young people. Right. Yeah. Well, but, and, and exactly. And what do I mean? I, I should clarify. What do I mean by dad qualities that Thanos has? Well, Thanos, he, first of all, he's strong and he's bigger. Quote from Ben. And he's Thanos an authority figure. Thanos is a great figure. dad. <laughs> <laughs> Tagline of the no, He's a horrible dad. But, but he has the qualities that are truly dad qualities, right? Like he talks to his daughters as an authority figure. Mm-hmm. Like he says, I I value you, or I miss. Like he speaks to them as an authority figure 
who's like speaking into their life. Now it's negative, it's manipulative, right. it's all these things. But he does the things that traditionally dads were supposed to do. Right. But Whereas Robert Downey Jr., in the bad way. millennial yeah. dad, it's like, I'm your friend. I'm your like buddy old pal. Like, come to me with your problems. No, I'm going to say Whereas the dad. traditional dad, the John Wayne dad, I guess is yeah. what I'm talking about. That John Wayne dad who was, let me teach you how to shoot. Let me teach you how to ride. Yeah. You're, you're a successful human being. That kind but, of- but, and Thanos is not affirming. He literally rips his daughters apart. <laughs> <laughs> quite, quite literally. <laughs> but, but what's funny is that one of the reasons Infinity War worked for me as a viewer, and I kind of thought about this afterwards, because I liked Infinity War. I didn't like Endgame so much. Infinity War worked because it was all about this dad yeah. who ends up sacrificing his daughter for right. some greater dream. Right. Because it and was Thanos' movie. It was Thanos' yeah. movie. And that's kind of interesting because when you just don't see mature masculine characters on screen, even if they're an eco-terrorist madman like Thanos, it's kind of in, it kind of is intriguing to see right. that depicted. Um, but I know, going back to your point, Alex, that the people writing it thought, that made Thanos like the most evil because they hate the patriarchy and yeah. like he's the ultimate patriarch. Right? right. You would think, you'd almost think if you get explicit with it, you would think that they would look at it and say, okay, um, well, we're going to make him just want to kill all the people just to like save some plants. And, uh, but we're going to endear him to people by making him a, like a loving father. <laughs> yeah. Which but is, it's the opposite. Yeah. They make him endearing by making him want to save the environment, and they make him a villain by making him a paternalistic madman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah it's no, really, it's really, yeah. that is Which, you know, it is interesting that they took that approach instead of the original, mm-hmm. because in some ways, yeah, it's a hundred times darker to literally want to woo lady death so you kill half of the population of the universe well and that's a lot more evil that makes a lot know? more sense though yeah. psychologically bloodlust i mean yeah. he's got lust for death and he's got bloodlust yeah that goes together huh i mean beautifully. i don't know that i'd agree I psychologically mean, like, i think i think you think you the think idea so, that, that someone he's, could be driven well and that I, much? you say he's created and tell us the myth of thanos Luke. Um, so Thanos was uh, a Titan, or he was from the planet Titan, mm-hmm. um, and I believe I, I'm I because so I haven't Thanos. read as many I haven't read as many uh, Marvel comics as I have DC, so I'm I could be muddling the cinematic universe with mm-hmm. the comics. Um, but basically, his nickname was the Mad Titan, and it be you know in the comics I can't remember exactly if it was because. He did, in the movie, they say, you know, his planet was dying and he wanted to kill half the universe mm-hmm. or half the planet's population so that the planet would survive and then it didn't. Thanatos in Greek mythology was the yeah. god of, it literally translates death. Right. Um, and he was like the personification of death. Um, if I remember correctly too, and I don't know. If so he's like the angel of death essentially in yeah. Greek mythology. Right, yeah. But um, but in uh, if I remember reading correctly, I think also in the comics, Thanos, um, he's like the misfit of the quote gods. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So right. there's a little bit of the old idea of the bad guy is the one who's the odd man out. He's the neglected mm-hmm. exile who becomes cancerous. You right, know, yeah, and goes yeah. goes rogue. Um, you know the thing though that and, and this is where I uh, looking at Endgame just as a movie. 
I think that it has a lot of moments that work pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it has the fanboy moments, you know, that mm-hmm. work because you're a fan and, you know, all the characters are on screen or whatever. But um, Thanos, I think, is kind of an odd villain in Endgame as compared to Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Right. Because in Infinity War, one of the reasons I felt like that movie worked, and, and I think any Marvel movie, this is true, Marvel movies tend to work when the villain or the heroes um, have some kind of a central drive that makes you want a catharsis. You yeah. know, it's like Captain America Civil War worked because at the end – you really did kind of feel that Tony Stark and Captain America would beat each other up. Yeah. You know, they did a good job yeah. at making you feel that at the end. And at the end of Infinity War, you really felt the kind of desperation of the heroes to fight this guy who at the same time was undergoing his own profound, tragic story. Right. And that all connected. But in Endgame, all of the energy was in the last movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they were all right. living in reaction to it. Right. And then at the end of the story, when they fight Thanos, it's not even the Thanos that killed them all. Right. It's a Thanos from like five years ago. And the Thanos from five years ago is... It's somehow more powerful than the Thanos with all Right. The it's somehow stones. more powerful. And, and at the same time, this Thanos, he's, he's a religious younger, zealot. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> he's, I guess. He, he's, he's a religious zealot. And so he says these things that are, to him, very noble and right. the Avengers are always saying, like, you piece of dirt, you know. Yeah. Um, you think you're so noble. Well, you you're not. PG-13 insult. Right. You're not so noble. You're evil religion of eco-terrorism. You know, we're going to stop you. And I think, and this is just my opinion, I always think that that interaction is kind of left-footed. Whenever the hero is this, like, high-minded hero... The hero I, I, no, I mean, sorry, let me put it this way. Whenever the villain is a high-minded villain in his own mind, it it never, I always feel like it's a little lame for the hero to be like, yeah, you're not as high-minded as you think. You're doing bad stuff. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like finger-wagging. Yeah. And, and, and to me, it's a lot better when It'd be like the no, hero is noble talking down to the villain. Like one of the reasons Return of the Jedi works so well is because yeah. that's the thing there the emperor's like, give in to your dark side. And Luke's like, no. <laughs> you know? And there's something cool about that. Oh, are, are no, you saying I'm that not gonna version of Luke Skywalker <laughs> is the best example? <laughs> no, no, I wanna say it's like kinda like I I was thinking of a corollary. It's almost like if you had a story where Noam Chomsky is like the arch villain. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump was the takedown guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it yeah. is. It's like it's like. Can't you find like doc? Can't Doctor Strange come and actually like refute his philosophy of death? They're like, why, why couldn't we sit down and he have a is philosophical claiming, discussion? Thanos is claiming to be doing good, right? And he's making a philosophical argument through all the movies, right? It's it's yeah. kind of mm-hmm. lame, right? It's not really thought through. But the response of all the heroes is. No. <laughs> well, yeah, and what happens, right? That. They never say like, no, Thanos, human life has dignity. Or, yeah, no, they don't Thanos, come back with any kind people of... people deserve to exist, or I don't know. They never actually emphasize that. Well, and here's the big problem, because now, obviously, you can 
say you're, we're just reading too much into it or taking it too seriously. But really, the Probably themes are. discussed <laughs> in the film are very serious themes. Yeah, yeah. They're just couched in a cartoon. Yeah. But you have Thanos giving this very philosophical argument why, you know, for the sake of the universe, we need to kill half of the human population on Earth. Uh, th- that's half the hop- population of the entire universe. Oh, the universe. Yeah. That's yes. right, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but... He claims to want to do this, but then you have to ask the question of what are the grounds on which we can refute him with an argument like the dignity of human life? Yeah. Yeah. Because all of the arguments against Thanos, they only deal with them in the most basic, elemental, guttural, instinctual way. Which is survival. Well, not just that, but everybody instinctively knows that you shouldn't let somebody just yeah. kill everybody else. Right. You know that just by or instinct. That, yeah. I However, don't want my, and but and I would even go farther though. I would even say that the level at which Avengers movie the Avengers might movies try to recruit him. I think it's lower than that because I think that they literally think my friend. My friend, you're gonna kill my friend. I'm lonely. And I'm lonely. And yeah. we need to bring yeah, them back. Exactly. It's actually like all self referential. Yeah, it's like totally well, self referential. <laughs> I think it's even lower than that. <laughs> no, it's like it, no, Hello, that's, can no you go? but I seriously think it is just a pure survival instinct with his which is one of the most natural human instincts. It's just the fight or flight. To survive. Whether yeah. it's getting food, whether it's Fighting for your life, like but the your Avengers natural instinct to, is to survive. But for the Avengers, yeah. it is supposed to be defending others. Well, yeah, so that theoretically, is true. Yeah. it's yeah. not just their own self survival. And a way to, to clarify but, yeah. this too, you know, is to think back. What if this movie had been made in 1950? Well, Captain America would have given a speech to Thanos at the end, and he would have true. said, "Truth, justice, and the American way, Thanos. We believe in freedom. We believe that every person has a right to their." Existence, and we're going to defeat you. You know, yeah. like, you know been, what they would have said is, a Thanos, you're not God. Yeah, that's probably. what they would have said. Yeah. And God is the big missing character. Yeah, because you have all these divine-ish characters with all these powers, but God is nowhere. He is yeah. in comic books. God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that's not in the movie, Luke. Disney, Disney deletes God. Right, that could be the title of the episode. Disney deletes, Disney God. deletes God. Because you think, like, well, what's the ground for the argument of the dignity of the human life? Yeah. Well, it's, it's that God, your life is a gift from God that yeah. no one should be able to take away. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. that is the big missing piece in how do you refute, why is Thanos wrong? Answer yeah. that question. Right. Yeah. Why is Thanos wrong? Well, because he does not have the authority to take your life or yeah. to take the life of half the population of the universe. Right. 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 Now, you could say, okay, well, that's a total pivot. <laughs> how does how does Thanos as – now, this really diverges from the, like, the theme or the, uh, the conceit of the film. But Thanos as an angel of death – because I just thought of the Passover in Exodus – Oh, so yeah. God says, yeah. I'm going to kill all the firstborn children yeah. of Egypt because they've done things I don't like. Yeah. Well, God is justified in doing that. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Yeah. So, now that, well, is, and, that is a different thing. Yeah. Well, and, and also because one, one angle that I think no one ever thinks about with stories like that is that God, and Jesus says this in the Gospels, everyone is alive to God. So, even people who die... They're mm-hmm. still present to God. Yeah. God right. isn't obliterating yeah. them. Like in the Thanos world of Avengers. He's obliterating. He's literally yeah. obliterating people from existence like right. they right. never existed. Wiping them out. 
Um, yeah. But just in the real world, if your physical body dies, your eternal body. Yeah, and lives and God on. would be the only one who mm-hmm. could make the equation like it's tragic, but this person, you know, they could come be with me, right. you know, or they could. Well, that's come true. To and if you think know. about it, in the arc of of human history, all those children from Egypt would have waited in limbo or somewhere yeah. until yeah. Christ went to hell. Right. Yeah. Right. So who knows which ones of them are in heaven? Yeah. Right, exactly. You know, um, no, no. one of the things that I think, though, kind of following on this whole discussion is heroes and villains, they need to operate on the same level, you know? Mm-hmm. So a villain that is high-minded should confront a high-minded hero. Mm-hmm. Right. Things that work are when, if a low villain confronts a low hero, like right. about someone like, I don't know, Die Hard or a movie like that, mm-hmm. nobody watches that and goes, oh, this doesn't work because the villain's like, I'm just going to kill everybody. And the hero goes, no, you're not, you... Whatever. Yeah. yeah. And but when it's R-rated the villain insult. Yes, R-rated <laughs> insult. But if it's a high-minded villain who makes these arguments and then it's no, we're all kinds of stubborn. Like Tony Stark says yeah. that we're all kinds of stubborn. And I thought, I still think that is such a lame line. Yeah. Who would say that? Like even like, John Wayne hey, saying Hitler? That's we're not all how we kinds do- of stubborn. Even John Wayne saying, that's not how we do things around here, boy or kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is almost more. Yeah. Now, in that way, I think Tony Stark being the focus of the in-game Infinity War arc. Right. Because they, they, they were setting him up to die. I still think that that was a little bit of a mistake. I wanted to and tell I, that and, little girl. And Didn't I, you see his picture was the biggest on the poster. Yeah. It was negotiated <laughs> in the contract. And it's because of this. And and this is the thing I keep coming back to with Marvel. Marvel tells these stories about teenage heroes. Whether they're old or young, they're teenagers in their minds. Like they're psychologically at that maturity level and how they think. Because it's for teens. And so the when a teenager like Tony Stark dies the weight of that death can only be so much because he's lived his whole life. Like pretty much the entire existence of Tony Stark is this, you know, stream of consciousness, impulsive series of actions. Right. One of the reasons why, hold on, let me finish though. Let me finish. Because the moment that does work in Endgame is when Captain America calls the hammer to his side and he fights Thanos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why does that work? Well, because Captain America is a white knight. He's a hero. He's a guy. He's yeah. a little bit more... He's he's the least teenager-y. He's not just a man. He's a guy. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't even that? know. Like, <laughs> no, I wouldn't you're even a say... This, I don't even know that I would call him... I don't even know that I would call him a man. Line. That was hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was funny. I don't even know that I would call him a, quote, man in that sense because there's something about Captain America that isn't quite a dad man. He's like a non-dad man. He's like a very strong but, single man. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but but he is this but he is this guy at least. And he's fighting Thanos and it's this gritty, you know, hand-to-hand combat and you feel the weight of that fight more than any other person that Thanos fights because yeah. Captain America is a serious virtuous person. Mhm. And he is worthy. Yeah, he is. He is worthy. And and is he worthy? <laughs> the song's actually about <laughs> Captain America. Uh, oh no, 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 probably not. But 
and 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 that's not some guy goody two shoes like Victorian. Oh, we need a white knight to be the hero per se. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when virtue is present in a person, they are a serious person. A serious person when they decide to do something, it has weight. If someone is not a serious person, what they do has less weight. Well, I, and and I just said Stark that jokingly, just, but I mean it seriously. Yeah. To be worthy to wield Mjolnir in that universe means you are of virtue. Yeah. You have the selfless of intentions at heart. Yeah. Like that's what that actually in universe means to be able to call Mjolnir to you. Did yeah. Thor so, lose the ability to call, to use no, Mjolnir no. after he became a beer no. belly? No, he still does. <laughs> he sort of broke the. It just he has well, good intentions. No, he has Alex. good intentions. He, well, really, he's just going he, through a rough time. I mean, yeah, because he just kind of he feels defeated, so he yeah. he goes away into exile essentially because. I mean, he hasn't lost his so intentions. So is he only aristocratically worthy? But he also, no, he doesn't no, wield he loses Mjolnir anymore, the though. original Thor, even though he is still... He, he, he also doesn't wield Mjolnir anymore. He has the new, like, Stormbreaker. Star Hammer. Yeah. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah, that's true. The Star Hammer doesn't have any moral rules. Wait. It's just... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just a big toy. Yeah. Um, no, that that is very interesting. That That's a good thought, Benjamin. Like, if Captain America had snapped his fingers and died, I think the movie would be... Ten percent better, yeah. Than if than when Tony Stark does it, because well, Tony Stark, even in that moment, Tony Stark doesn't even know that he has to do that to right at the end, and he does it. And when he dies, like the way Robert Downey Jr. plays it, is he's like afraid of death, and he's like, oh, I'm dying. I, I still and he think dies. I, I still think he is the better person to die for two reasons: one, out of universe, he started it all. It just kind of makes sense that he ends it. And right. two, I loved how they they gave Captain America the chance to go back. And I did like that Peggy ending Carter. for his I think that's dad. to become, yeah. yeah. Which that is right. sort of his, his arc is the fact that he's not a dad because he had a true love. So it's all. It, well, it, and because he sacrificed. He, yeah. Right, right. You know, and, and the chance that he got to go back and actually live that life. Mm-hmm. You, that, know, the, I, you know, I was thinking the idea of cultural special. memory. Yeah. Like shared collective cultural memory is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think about a character like Captain America in that context because how do we know or even and even the writers who probably if you went down the line of all the people who had a creative thumb on this film or in the whole universe probably none of them would even ascribe to the ethic or belief system that Captain America is supposed to hold right yeah because it, what is it it is just he's just you can take anything that was considered stock america in the 1950s yeah. and assume that that's what he believes. Right. 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 Which implicit in that is at least a culturally Judeo-Christian outlook. Right. You know, and the whole greatest generation idea. Yeah. That we have this memory. Why is Captain America the most virtuous and the best and the most responsible well, it's because he's from that generation, right. even though he's been planted in the modern, the modern yeah. world. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I well, wonder that's how why much in the in you know, we instinctively in, relate to him in that way. Yeah, because we know he's our granddad or right. great granddad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. So anyway, I wonder he how much he is John Wayne. Yeah, he right. did go yeah, to the beaches of Normandy. Here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and it's that you know, it's the idea of him in those movies being so un. You, you kind of see especially in like Civil War um, and some of the other, you know, standalone movies where Tony and some of the other Avengers, they're always being swayed by, you know, whether it's the 
Sokovia Accords and like everything that's going on, but he's just like, so mm-hmm. no, this is what I believe. This is wrong and yeah. I'm sticking to it. I don't care if all of you are going to be against me. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what happens in, mm-hmm. you know, civil war. He ends up fighting yeah. a lot of them because, you know, they're doing something that he thinks is wrong. So that's right. civil war. Yeah. Nice that's that you should, if you watch any of them, <laughs> civil, uh, uh, what's the first, uh, winter soldier and civil uh-huh. war. Yeah. Civil War is probably my favorite of all of them. Of all the Marvel? Yeah. Really? You, it's, it's If they uh, just deleted the airport scene. Yeah. Well, they had to do that. Yeah, they had to do They had to have a big scene. fight scene. But <laughs> yeah. the story of Civil War yeah. is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. it is a good um, story. But anyway, Ben, Endgame. Yeah, more of the story, story for, for Endgame. <laughs> I guess um, watching the movie, I think that the movie does have this value to it in that it deals with the idea of a of an apocalypse like a cosmic reordering of things to be right and i do like those stories period because i think that they communicate something to people which is that it's kind of what christ's second coming is right like the world is broken we need something from outside of the cosmos which is what the infinity gauntlet really is. It's like God power. We need a God or God, you know, whatever that power is to intervene and make things right. And I think that actually is the most effective part of the story is just the sense of loss and the sense that there could be an intervention that literally resurrects people. And in that way, at the end, I did get kind of a goosebump sense when you see all those dead people come back. Yeah. Because that's what Christ does at the end of time. He right. everybody comes back. Yeah. Right? Nobody's really dead. Um, nobody's really gone. There's there's something to that. And I think it's something that Isn't that a what whole Palpatine generation said in the you know Rise of Skywalker? <laughs> Luke, no one's really thought, gone. <laughs> no, that was Luke said that. Oh, is that what he said? Uh, Luke. Um but uh Ben, you should write a book called Searching for God in the end game. No. <laughs> Heaven help us. <laughs> Whenever I see titles like that, I just see, I need money. <laughs> yeah, really. It's true. Um, Taking advantage of search engine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, yeah, but um, no, I, so I think any time that a whole generation sees something visually that, tr- it, it's a trigger, yeah. right, for something that Christianity yeah. teaches, I think mm-hmm. that's positive. Yeah. So. Yeah. Alex? Moral of the story for Endgame. Um, I think... Oh, goodness. I thought it was a mess of a movie, personally. I just... I mean, <laughs> I agree with you about the like the power of certain images mm-hmm. um, that are just... They're an, almost an icon of, Alex, of something I must say, that is truth. You didn't watch all the movies leading up to it, so it would I be a big mess. I resent the assumption... <laughs> <laughs> that I should invent. How many? Okay, let's count these. How many? I think were there's there? like 26, 26 movies, 26, something like that. It's yeah. in the twenties. Times at least two hours each. Yeah. Sometimes three. Yeah. So that is bordering on a hundred hours. <laughs> fifty. I mean, fifty hours to seventy-five hours. You don't have that of kind of free time, Alex? <laughs> investment in this in order to get yeah. like that scene at the end at the funeral. Yeah. That was like I wanted to laugh. In their face, that that scene it was, was a pretty joke. Funny. Yeah, like there were just, just too like, many. People. And we're gonna take our steady cam past how many people? 
That was it like just a, kept coming. That was coming. like a, it was like its own joke. That was like a ten million dollar shot for every <laughs> it was like major SNL actor that was there. It was. It was like its own SNL spoof. Yeah. It was like first this one, <laughs> and then like by the end, you're like, oh wait, is that the? Is that and the some donut? of them have the literally been man? these characters like, for like it? five scenes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And they're yeah. like, yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna stand I just, here. I just, you know, I, at, at its best, it. I you know I liked the humor of certain things. Hawkeye is actually my favorite character. Yeah, well, and the he's whole the one exception to our he is dad's the real dying father. Yeah, that yeah. was is it which of is it the first Avengers that Hawkeye's introduced? Yes, actually, no, it's Thor. It's oh, it's Thor. In he's Thor. A, yeah, That's he's right. Yeah, yeah. Introduced. And yeah. I remember I and I forget if it was that or the one where they go to Tennessee. That's Iron Man. That Hawkeye. Three. That Hawkeye, like you kind of are introduced to him as a father with the family at risk. Or like that's that, actually that, Age of Ultron. Yeah, is that Age of Ultron. Ultron see, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So, but anyway, I just his arc as a family man and and all of that, I found. I mean, you could say that's just a personal um, affiliation because yeah. he is sort of what I am, you know, a yeah. dad with a family. But I so I do I do find him to be a redeeming character. In them, mm-hmm. oh, but like some of the funny things, like when Captain America was chopping firewood, there there are some genuinely funny, yeah, kind of yeah, fun things in it. But I did think, as a film itself, it's like the opposite of Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker had to excuse its existence and the whole story with one line or through the whole film, negating or explaining away problems and plot right. holes. Right? This spent three hours just trying to tie up loose knots. Yeah, from all these other stories mm-hmm. because it was such a mess before it. I mean, you could say, but let's See, be I real. Completely disagree. But with let's that. be real. <laughs> let's be real. Rise of Skywalker was a mess. <laughs> well, I agree. No, I. They're both messes. I'm I, saying they're both messes in opposite ways. I think Rise of Skywalker is, was a mess a, because well, they were explaining. Having a, watched all the movies, I think first of all, it was an impossible task mm-hmm. to wrap up all those loose ends in three hours. It's impossible. They did it. Well, they did, and whether you like the ending, it's the recompense for that possible sequel. But they did. They did it in (laughs) an amazing way, like actually the time travel. You mean? Yes, I think wrapping. I think they did a fantastic job wrapping everything up, especially considering, especially compared to. Can you say that any story that has to wrap up its intricacies with time travel is actually amazing? I mean that. Well, that that, that, would, is, I mean, that is sort of like time travel is like the excuse of all excuses. Because well, when you get into time travel, you mm-hmm. can just do anything. Kind well, of. Well, I, I would the rules say of time I, travel I, are. Here's I would I'm kind of in between you know, the two of you. I guess I when I walked into the theater, I was very skeptical mm-hmm. about the time travel thing. But I will say that their explanation of time travel in Endgame uh, yeah. is one of the better ones I I've agree. seen. I thought I that agree. it there are some holes, but there were but there were a lot fewer holes than other movies because they kept it really simple. They kept it very simple, and the idea that you could be somewhere where you were, as a rule, that kind of. Made sense. Now, if they wanted to really do a time travel that made sense, there wouldn't have been two Captain Americas fighting each other. Right. You would have been Captain America just possessing your body. Right. Right. For about five seconds. And right. And you're out. Yeah. Because that would actually be what it would be like, probably. Right. If you could do something like that. Yeah. Anyway. But anyway, so I, yeah. I don't I don't say it was as a movie terrible, but I thought there was so much just fat in the story because they had all this baggage. Yeah. Infinity War was a much better movie. Oh, I agree. Just oh, infinitely I better agree. movie. Just yeah. because it was a tight 
yeah. good story. Yeah. With, yeah. And that's no, all, the only reason I went to see that, Endgame yeah. was that I thought Infinity War was good. Right. And I saw yeah. Endgame, I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> no, Infinity War was fantastic. And um, the way that it left you feeling, you know, when yeah. everyone was Now, going. the one yeah. scene, and, and I'll add this little addendum, both of the scenes that take place on the Soul Stone planet, yeah. the like apocalyptic yeah. ones, mm-hmm. both with Hawkeye and Black yeah. Widow and with Thanos and his daughter, those are some of the best scenes in any Marvel movie. Yeah. And, no, that, and, those and were that good. reinforces that a, good. A, a truth, and I've said this before on this podcast, whenever someone can't come back, when the stakes are real, right. it's, you like, feel it. it's, you, it's like the movie goes from being a cartoon to being a movie. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, for the life of me, don't know why storytellers don't do that more. I yeah. guess it's just money. Yeah. Just the money that they can make. Right. From well, the that's character. what I mean. Like, there's, but it literally jumps about twenty points. Yeah. Well, that's why I love movies where the hero dies because it's <laughs> yeah. like you feel it so much yeah. more. Yeah. And, but imagine, I, I, I mean, this is kind of a ridiculous example in a way, but imagine like The Godfather. Yeah. But if all the characters could come back. Yeah. Right. You know, it's just it's it, right. like it doesn't even compute. It just makes everything pretend. Right. And nothing is actually means anything, and right. it's just, and so, because you know. You know, first of all, the fact that they failed in Infinity War, I think they were trying to do some sort of like Empire Strikes Back kind of thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, oh, but they failed. What if they have to undo it again? But in a way, it's still just a Disney ride because what happens? Well, Iron Man just invents something and they just undo it all. And and it's, you know, all the things that are presented as ultimate and the end and blah, blah, blah are actually. It's right. a, it's in one more psych, right. which is exactly what the Rise of Skywalker is, right? Right, psych. Uh, actually, we're gonna undo what we did last time because yeah. we got a new director now, and yeah. so it's just storytelling with no central vision, no central like moral vision right. of right what the story is actually about because yeah. it's all about all it's about is money. Yeah, how it's would just you, about how many times so, so can we? Here's an I'll tell you. I know how many that. times can we get twenty how bucks out of have, you? How would you have approached the connect? Like if you had been given. Okay, here's Infinity War. Write the ending. How how would you have approached it? I would have. Can I say? Because yeah. I know yeah. I've actually thought about this. <laughs> there is a line. Luke's gonna release a script. <laughs> there is a line, and I said this when Infinity War came out. There is a line in the very first Avengers. Uh huh. He's talking That's to deep. Loki. Yeah, he's talking to Loki, and he says, uh, "Who's talking to Loki?" Uh, Iron Man. Oh, okay. And it's that whole thing where you know I have an army. Well, we have a Hulk. You know, yeah, it's that yeah, whole yeah, that yeah, whole yeah, banter yeah. right there. And he says, you know, uh, Loki says something to the effect of there's nothing you can do. Like, mm. we, we have you outnumbered. And he says, Iron Man says, um, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, well, we're going to fight as hard as we can. And if we can't beat you, or if we can't save the earth, you can be damn well sure we'll avenge it. Mm. Yeah. And I, I was, I was, I said, what if Endgame is just the Avengers avenging? Yeah. Everyone's right, yeah. actually dead. Yeah. They cannot bring them back. Uh-huh. So if they can't save the earth, they're going to avenge it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would have been Yeah. You know, yeah, in a, a way pretty, pretty heavy. In a way, ending. a story of rebuilding while not Yeah. as not as Disney. You know, it would have been it's not as right. making it whole or undoing it. Yeah. Would be a more meaningful story in yeah. a way. Um, if you're gonna make, if you're gonna let let him succeed, yeah, right. I would have probably just not let him succeed. I would have probably made them stop. No, stop you, him. you see, I, I well, and know. here's I'll I haven't dis- thought about I'll that. I'll disagree that with deep, both of deeply. you. I like I just like the idea, and it goes back to like you can find it in Shakespeare's Winter's Tale. 
the idea of there being a restoration. First of all, the idea of a loss that is irreparable. Yeah. That's like a good idea. Yeah. It's a good idea for people to understand that there are some things that are just irreparable yeah. losses. But there, it's also a good idea to teach people that God can restore irreparable losses. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and I'm not saying that the movie exactly does that. In some ways, it's this back and forth. And I know I'm maybe contradicting myself in a way. It's like you need to have a sense of stakes where things just can't be undone. Yeah. And that's the hit on time travel. But I thought that Endgame worked really, really hard to make you feel like what had happened was not a fake-out death. Like, yeah. it was a weighty death. Was, and and yeah. giving the five years yeah, of did. grief, yeah, yeah. they worked really hard to make you feel that. And that was my favorite part of the movie, was yeah. how much they worked for that. Mm-hmm. That's true. If I, my one critique, and I don't know if this would have worked out, because I agree with you, Luke, their logic of how they wound up the loose threads, I thought was very clever. Mm-hmm. It was complicated. It was. And I thought it kind of made sense, you know, as they went through it. If I had, my gut, in writing something like Endgame would have been to say, we're not going to try to undo. Like, it's not an undoing. It would be trying to find a way for each character that died to have some sort of um, uh, way of survival. In other words, it right. was like a way out. Instead yeah. of a reversal, right. which is what they were working for, it would be like another aspect of the universe that yeah. would allow I'm having a vision them to come back in game revisioned as a Charles Williams novel <laughs> like when they're all living in the soul stone <laughs> they're, they're all living well, that was the, in the that spirit was a big world theory. and they have this yeah. way to come back well that was no, a theory what, that, that like you know when he snaps his right. finger because they don't die they just cease to exist or they go away mm-hmm. a theory I think after infinity war or whatever that they were all trapped in the soul stone Oh yeah, and you know because like yeah. when he sacrifices, right, right, and you know I don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess I don't know th- how this it is, is but. what I would. This is my my I guess in the I'm going to try to give an analogy to show why, why I think it's maybe lacking. Uh, my I feel like what they did is essentially it's like a kid playing, and somebody says, "Well, I have an invincible force field," and it's like, "Well, I have a." I have a sword that breaks invincible force fields. It's essentially yeah. that. That's yeah. what they did. Yeah. In a much more complicated way. Yeah. Rather than something like, I mean, as simple as the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Okay. Right. When you there's have the deeper magic. There's a the deeper deep magic. magic. Yeah. And what they said is like, we've got to get back that technology so we can do it and we'll add the force field breaking. You know, that's yeah. basically like, we're going to wilt that the infinity stones don't exist anymore or whatever. Yeah. And that's something that what happens. What? He snaps and how does oh, he... Oh, after Thanos. Because how does he yeah. keep Thanos from the past coming back to get yeah, the thing stones again and do it... After like, Infinity War, Thanos uses the gauntlet to destroy the stones. Right, right. Yeah. But then they go back in time. To get the stones before they were destroyed. Right. Yeah. And then, so then what? Then well, the and then stones. I they guess use the time travel technology lingers for anyone to... One, <laughs> right. Do like, what they so want you know what I mean, though? Like, that's a that is a problem because well, you kind of have yeah. this ping pong yeah i mean i don't I, 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 I don't think they point, would do that but yeah, it's sort of at some point you have to just accept like the but anyway right, to me it's a little bit childish logic. logic yeah to just say like well we're just gonna go back in time before well we, and part of the reason why you feel that way but. i think is because we like to we we respect rules and stories that are 
telegraphed ahead of time. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. The reason why we look at the little kid saying, well, my sword can break your force field is because he literally invented it on the spot. Right. right. It isn't that the rule itself is dumb. There mm-hmm. could be swords that could destroy force yeah. fields. But, but you have to up set up it. To but you have to set up react. the rules first. And in that sense, all Marvel movies are riffs on the last one. Right. Mm-hmm. As opposed to telling a story, you know, that's thought out where mm-hmm. there's rules and right and in in that way I, I think luke, luke and i were having a conversation about this earlier it's like a lot of franchises today a lot of world building they don't really figure out their rules yeah it's like lucas. or they don't follow their own rules right it's like yeah. lucas and the rule of two sith i was bringing this up to luke and i was like there's way more than two sith right like through every star wars thing ever right there's I like kindly corrected three him. or four or five <laughs> or six right and i was like and it's like no but they're not sith they're just dark jedi or they're dark force users or i don't know but right and there's all these reasons yeah. why they're not no exactly, you are right though. but 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 it's but it's like we invent rules to break them yeah it's mm-hmm. it's more about the exceptions than the rules establishing right and and i think that tells you that a lot of storytellers they don't know why rules exist mm-hmm um, rules exist to create stakes. When you draw a line, just philosophically, you say this line cannot be crossed. Well, they use them as plot devices rather than real in-universe right. rules. And, mm-hmm. and, you know? and when the line is created and the more structure a universe has, you can build to climaxes where you are on the edge of your seat. Yeah. Because the stakes are so high and there's only mm-hmm. just such a way that it can the day can be won. Yeah. And um and part of what happens with something like the Marvel universe is that every character has a million different weapons and a million different powers that are all basically the same thing. Well, and like think is- how much more interesting it would be if you said we need to take down this villain, but we need a certain team to deal with this vulnerability and this vulnerability and this vulnerability and only Vision has this power so he's the only one who can deal with this vulnerability and only this guy has this power so he's the only one who can deal with this vulnerability instead what we have is I just need an assortment of heroes and it doesn't matter who's punching him if it's Scarlett Johansson with her human fist or Hulk with his green fist or Captain America with his fist well that's what they're I, all hammers right, it's all nails on a, on it's, a, beyond, no. beyond some of the you know, just like underlying story elements. The thing I, in watching it that I just get so just annoyed by is that there's no typological con- consistency. Yeah. I mean, that you're, was dealing big... with, you're dealing with a Titan from the cosmos and Captain America, who is a enhanced human. Okay, that's all he is. Right. He's a really strong human. That's yeah. it. And... Then, and, and the then fact have, that he lasts longer than the Hulk is just like, mm, well, and as far Hulk, as like talk about not following your own rules, like in canon in the comic books, Hulk, Hulk has is, been hit by tanks. And, well, I Hulk mean, is like, of, I mean, obviously, top tank is three nice. most powerful characters, right? You I mean, know, they because have, yeah, they have like charts the angrier this, right? he gets, the stronger he gets, right? 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 Like there, there, there comes a point where, I mean, in you know, in universe, they they literally say that the Hulk has never actually tapped out as far as power goes mm-hmm. because he can continually get angrier, which makes him stronger. Right, right. You know, so... Yeah. I, I did enjoy got, Bruce Banner's story. Yeah, arc, it, I know. mean, yeah. That actually was one of my favorite I was, parts. I, I know a lot of people panned that, but I really loved... Uh, actually, the guy who plays the Bruce intelligent Banner, Hulk. he's one yeah. of the best 
Mark Ruffalo in the, in the cast. Yeah. So the Incredible Hulk. Anyway, can we could go Luke, in circles. Know, here. So what is I'm your moral of the story? Saying, yes. okay, your it, moral of the story, Luke. This is less of a story, more of a commentary on kind of the surrounding out of universe. I think it's, I think it's really cool, and this is kind of dying out. And we were talking about this before, especially in today of, you know, in the age of COVID nineteen and the pandemic, and theaters are kind of going away Mm -hmm. and it's something that you know notable directors like spielberg and lucas have commented on Mm in the fact that it's sad Mm -hmm. because there is something so amazing about going to a midnight showing whether you loved the movie or you hated it Mm -hmm. and having a packed out theater of people who are just as invested in a story and you know when yeah Captain America gets the hammer. Everyone, yeah, like everyone cheers. <laughs> yeah, like it's, yeah, yeah. it's an eruption of uh-huh. of uh, applause because you know everyone's kind of invested in the story together, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's something that you know it's going away. Everyone went and saw it in game because it was so big, but that's rare these days. Um, yeah. and it's kind of a special thing mm-hmm. to be a yeah. part of a community that's you know kind of a part of the story with yeah, you yeah right. and um, even as you get older yeah you know people and it used to be different things maybe it was a song right that you heard on the radio or some communal experience but right. people had those you, you could talk to anyone of a certain age yeah and you could say were you there when x happened yeah and you're right that is kind where of were you when you saw fellows brother ring where were you when you saw the that, Phantom Menace? I was young enough that <laughs> Where I was were in, you? The, in my living room. <laughs> you know, yeah. but it's it's yeah. it's a special yeah. thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even for Rise of Skywalker when we came in, and I was telling Ben, and, you know, when Captain America got the hammer, it was applause. Yeah, and then yeah. when I was in the theater, when, when Ray said her name was Skywalker, everyone went, Boo! <laughs> <laughs> so very different reactions. You get an instant, but, yeah. instant, <laughs> instant audience read. Yep. Oh my goodness! Um, so that was funny. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a super special thing. Something that, well, you know, an event like that is rare. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's not there's not many times where something like that happens. Um, so you know, that'll be a very fond memory. Be able to mm-hmm. look yeah, back yeah. and say, you know, I was there opening night. It was in Dublin, actually. Um, oh wow! And so. But yeah, it's show maybe. Off. So it was an Irish. It was an Irish yell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was an Irish yell. <laughs> I don't know what the accent was. Sloshing their Guinness. Yeah, sloshing their Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. but oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we uh, managed to do the whole episode without mentioning Captain Marvel. We need to stop the episode right now. <laughs> yes, let's right now. It's, it's over. No comment. Done. done. Yeah. Anyway, that wraps up this episode. We did want to mention. Audible, which is today's sponsor. If you are interested in getting a free audiobook, mm-hmm. you can visit audibletrial.com forward slash moral of the story and you get a free audiobook. And not only do you get that, but it also helps the show, mm-hmm. helps us keep doing this. So make sure to check out that link in the description. And yeah, we'll keep doing these for you. Well, make sure to like this podcast, mm-hmm. share it with your friends, family, and enemies, and follow us on all the social media sites so you see when we're posting new episodes and we have some really big announcements coming for more content of the podcast Mm -hmm. really really soon so we've been working on that we're sorry for the delay and the uh releases hiatus but uh we are still here and we're still working on bringing you guys some really cool things so make sure to follow us so you can stay on the news and and be there when we do that so yeah until next time the moral of the story with alex wallover luke taylor and benjamin wallover 
Please subscribe to The Moral of the Story on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen. Visit moralofthestorypodcast.com. Copyright 2020 Moral of the Story Media.